I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Self-Helpful. I'm your guide, Kevin Miller, and I curate the sea of new personal development messages to bring the most influential leaders onto this show. Join me as I question my guests to better understand their counsel so we can all integrate the wisdom into our lives because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. The Self-Helpful Podcast is presented by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping coaches. Visit Ziggler.com. Hello, Self-Helpful listeners. In this episode, unwavering focus and how to harness the discipline you already have. We continue this series on focus, highlighting that it's not about gritting your teeth, but in changing your paradigm on what focus really is and how to harness the focus that you do have within you. Our expert is Don Dapani, a world-renowned leading expert on leveraging the human mind and the power of focus, and he's the author of The Power of Unwavering Focus. You can listen to my previous talk with him in part one, or just type Don Dapani Focus in your search engine. You'll see his TED Talk. It's got about 6.7 million views right now. Today, I bring in a longtime devotee of Don Dapani's who has been studying his work and his teachings on focus for many years. It's my brother, Jared Angaza, and we kick off discussing Don Dapani's statement that, quote, most people surrender their decision-making process to their environment, and it takes discipline to take ownership. And this led into an organic discussion on discipline and how we as a culture misperceive what discipline really is. If you feel you are undisciplined overall or in just some certain areas, I invite you really to listen in as the conversation brought some revelations, honestly, to me and to Jared, I think. We continue on then digging further into how to have more focus on our lives. And for disclosure, Jared and I are both struggling with ADHD. So this is an acutely relevant topic for both of us. You can also watch these full episodes on YouTube. Just search for Self-Helpful with Kevin Miller. 
Well, brother, so we're doing this together because I don't know how long ago when, uh, you know, I got contacted by Don DePani's people uh, about having him on the show and this new book. And I looked at it and thought, that's a little bit out of my norm uh, that, you know, conceptually, I mean, you can see the picture of him behind me with his, you know, the, the, the dot and the three stripes and, and what he has as a Hindu uh, priest. And I mentioned it to you and you said, holy moly. I'm into that guy and you know the topic. And not only that, I mean, I could have found another co-host that maybe was familiar with him, maybe familiar with uh, some of his topics and teachings, but even more so the fact that you have been practicing his teachings and whatnot for a while, probably on some other things, but obviously this one's on initially on focus. We're going to talk about focus and then spirituality that we got on on part two with him today as well. But initially, man, his aspect of how focus is, you know, where we choose to put our energy. You've been doing that and it's dramatically countercultural. I mean, you know that, uh, I don't know how, how long has this been for you? I originally, uh, it's been maybe 10 years Oh, uh, of, of studying his stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I think I was in that, I think I was in Rwanda at the time and I just learned about I think I saw a video on, on, um, on YouTube of him doing a, a talk. And then I saw quite a few others. He did one in Nairobi. Um, and I was just, it, you know, when you hear something and it just like, Oh my gosh, that's that guy speaking my language. Uh, you know, and a lot of his stuff is on, on focus, which we'll get into, but yeah, I just kind of fell in love with his, uh, I, the, the the path that he lays out, I guess, and and the things that he's focused on, and I it resonated a lot. That's what I'm looking for is resonance, and it's I've been practicing a lot of his philosophies, and and um, he has an uh, an app or a, a, a like a there's an app for his his stuff, but there's also a, a couple of courses, and he has one particularly on focus, and I took that course. I don't know, years ago, uh, four or five years ago, I guess, when I took the actual course on my phone. Um, I mean, on the phone app, you know what I mean? Let me, let me come into it then there. And, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He says, it's out of the book, most people surrender their decision-making process, but I'm going to also put in there slash their focus. They surrender it to their environment, people and things around them, whatever happens to be going on. And it reminded me of Tom Rath, who's the author of success 2.0. That's where he came to fame, but he has a book called fully charged where this has been five years ago or more that I had him on the show and his focus in his focus in that book, the topic was his interest in people saying, you know, how was your day? Ah, it was good. Or how was your day? And they respond, it's bad. And they, he would say, well, why? And they would say, well, it was a good day because, you know, I woke up this morning and the sun was out and my spouse said something nice to me and man, the traffic was pretty good. And uh, they had, you know, they had really good coffee at the office and whatever. And, and, or it was bad because of it's, you know, it's a snowstorm. We had to shovel our way out and my kids were mean to me and, you know, all these things that they didn't have control over. And he's going, but the things that make up a good day, we really can have control over. We can manufacture those things and in a sense, make every good day a good day instead of like Donna Pani says, surrendering it to 
what happens out there. And that's what was on my mind when he talks about, no, your focus is what you choose to give focus to. Your attention is what, which doesn't sound, I mean, we're talking about, it doesn't, even as I say, it doesn't sound revelatory. It sounds like, well, okay, duh. Yeah, but that's not how we live. That is not the cultural construct of, I mean, we say, gosh, I, I feel good or I feel bad depending on what happened or what's around me. Not, not because not, I feel good because I choose to, we just, it just doesn't, it, it, even saying it, I mean, I, well, that's why we're talking about it. it. It's revolutionary, which is why he spent 10 years as a monk trying to hone this yeah. skill. Okay. So bring it there that you talked about discipline before we were talking on the show, that discipline, because it's a skill. It's not something you just hear and go, oh yeah. And you go, okay, from now on, I'm just going to decide what I put my focus on. No, you're going to, you're going to go train like you're going to the Olympics. Yeah. Well, it's pretty closely connected to drive, you know, your, your focus. Um, and I'm sure we'll connect some more lines there. <laughs> Perhaps it's in our genes in that we are brothers and <laughs> we both very compelled, you know, in that direction with discipline and drive. And I have always had a thing about discipline. Um, and I've always seen it as something, I think even as a, in, in my young years was very, I don't know, uh, drawn towards discipline. I think there, there was a time when I was, you know, quite young thinking about, Oh, maybe someday I'll go into the military or whatever. Cause I liked the discipline. I liked the challenge. I liked the kind of tribe aspect of it as well. And taking care of one of the Anyway, it turns out I didn't really, I, I didn't believe in war, <laughs> but, um, so that sort of knocked me out of that part. But in the end, I liked the discipline aspect of it. And I wrote a blog is back when I was a blogger, you know, quote unquote. And I, I wrote a blog called sweet discipline. It might've been when I was living in Mombasa, I think it was. And cause I realized that some of the sweetest things in my life, relationships, my fitness and, um, even the things that I want to do in life, vocationally and whatnot, they all are a result or the health of them are all a result from discipline. I thought, wow, that's well, hard for I, me to I, ever see discipline. I'm going to ask you to define that. I think it's one of those words that people think of, I mean, differently. I mean, obviously you can discipline, like discipline a child, you know, that's a very good distinguishing aspect. Yeah. So There's go there. The difference between discipline and I'm a parent, so this one comes up a lot, you know, with the kids. Um, and there's a difference between discipline and punishment. So punishment is is like retribution or something. It's like you did this, so you're getting that. Punitive. Punitive, yes. So so, you know, like a lot of our nation, <laughs> we're very punitive. Um then the the other side of that with with uh discipline is in my mind what what can happen prior to the incident that might call for some sort of punishment but if you have the discipline before that the child might not do something to be punished you know might not do something that warrants punishing let's just say now i also want to be clear that what i'm just mapping out there is kind of a basic formula i don't i thought about this not too long ago and somebody asked and i and i thought i don't know i i can't think of a time when i've like punished my kid like I've never had, it's never, I, I'm not saying like, I've never spanked my kid. Just like, I don't do that. I'm just saying like, it never came up. Like I never thought about like, oh, I should, this would be an opportunity to spank a kid. Like it just didn't come up. I didn't, uh, I haven't had those moments. Um, there, 
there's a lot of things I don't experience out of my children because we are a, kind of a disciplined family, I guess. We have rituals, we have ceremonies, we have things like my rituals, I mean, like routines, things we do on, on, on the daily. Let me, I just pulled it up. I, I like to do this with words. You know, so discipline, if you just pull it up, first definition you get out of uh, Oxford, the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior. And then it goes, comma, using punishment to correct. Okay, but hold, hold on there. Then as a verb, it says, train someone to obey rules or a code of behavior. Again, it, then it again says using punishment. But when we talk about you know, David Goggins, you know, who's known for being Mr. Discipline or Jocko or whatever. We're not, he's not, what he's doing, what you're talking about and what he seems to be, you know, alluding to training ourselves to obey rules or a code of behavior. We get to stop yeah. there now. Cause if I don't, do I punish myself? I guess if, if I don't, if we don't, we were say, if we don't, we receive the consequences. We'll next receive the punishment from the whatever. Yeah. If, I, if I don't have a code of conduct or behavior and rules around my, around what I eat. Okay. You right. around what you eat. Well, the punishment is I feel like crap and I don't perform well the next day. So we're saying I am disciplined because I'm driven to be, you know, to bring that in, to be disciplined because I want the outcome of that. And if I am not, I do not like the outcome of not being. So I see discipline is, is a path to what I want. Like it's the experience that I want to have. I can't get there without discipline. It doesn't just flop into my world. Like I, I have to be an intentional setting my intentions around that and then be disciplined in moving towards that. Whether again, if it's my fitness or yeah. if it's an aspect of my, you know, a relationship, you know, romantic or, or, or just a friend or whatever, or my kids, like all of those. I, and again, I look at everything as it being a relationship. You know, we have a relationship with technology or the relationship with fitness relationship with humans. And I see this discipline as a way to, um, steward that, you know, those, those, I, those concepts of my life well to, to handle them with integrity and to show that I, I care and to, to show up for those things every day and for myself, if it's my own, you know, self-discipline stuff. And I see the sweetest things come out of that. And I don't, that's a great, know, and, and, it, it's a great term. I like that sweet discipline, uh, is, a. It's like Ramsey's financial peace. You don't usually put those things together. You know, sweet discipline, seriously. You know what it makes me think of is a guy we know, Joshua Spodek. Sitcha, oh, yeah. yeah. self-imposed. So I've talked about this before. So if you type in Joshua Spodek, uh, S-P-O-D-E-K, and Sitcha, yeah. S-I-D-C-H-A, that's why I had him on the show eons ago. And it was a, a self-imposed, daily, challenging, healthy activity. And the point he was saying there is being, you know, so you create, to go back to discipline, you, you create rules or a code of behavior or structure that you believe in and desire. Nobody else is forcing you to. Uh, the consequences are your own. Nobody's going to come slap your hand if you don't do those, again, self-imposed things. And, and this is what got me with him, was that those disciplines, if you will, mm -hmm. the greatest benefit was not the sum of the the in, the specific thing like today if you get up if you get up early you know to have quiet time or, or whatever and then you do 100 push-ups and then you have a great 
you know, veggie smoothie or, or, or whatever, all these things that you do not have to do. Cause you can sleep in, have donuts, uh, you know, pack of cigarettes, do whatever, knock yourself out. Nobody's, nobody's there to slap your hand uh, either right. way, but doing those things, obviously those things in themselves are good, but the act of you having the discipline to control and guide yourself, that is the biggest benefit to your mental, to your overall being than even the sum of those specific parts. I'm making it possible for me to live the life that I want through that discipline, that, that, that discipline is what allows me to experience all the wonderful stuff on the other side of, I got up early, I did my morning routine, I had my veggie smoothie and my mud water and whatever, and I did all these things and I feel better. I don't, so the, the result at the end of the day is that I feel physically better. I feel emotionally better. I feel happy. I feel all those things. I don't feel those things in the absence of the discipline that it took to help me get there. So the discipline is something that's very sweet in my life. And to bring it, you know, directly to Dondapani, as a student of a lot of Eastern philosophy and, and specifically, you know, Taoism, Dao, which is a way, not a religion. We, in the West, we think, oh, it, you know, it's Christianity and Taoism. And it's actually not, it's a way of being. It's, it's like, an agreement and a commitment to a path, not necessarily a religion, um, but that the Taoist belief of flowing like water and and um, I the these I'm trying to think how to say this, but it's like a uh, there are ways of discipline. I studied Bushido, which is the way of the samurai, and, sure. and it, it's a way of uh, of discipline. I had to be disciplined enough to read two books that taught me how to read the Hagakure, which is like the Bible of the samurai, because it's sort of not understandable by the average Western guy <laughs> that without having read a couple of books to teach me how to read it well, that took a lot of discipline. I could have just tried to stumble through the book, but because I prepped myself well, I was able to receive the full value of the Hagakure and then be able to implement that in my life. But it, to come back to Dandapani, that, I was at that stage in my life. I do remember all this now. I was in Rwanda, not Kenya. And um, and I started working through this and thinking, man, I'm having trouble with focusing. I'm having trouble understanding, like getting the, the stuff out of my head. It's so cluttered, you know, and I was in the middle of political turmoil and crazy stuff. Can we, can we come before we hit focus? Yeah. Can I just to, just to wrap, not round out, but, but something else on discipline I want to say. I think I struggle with it too, because two struggles. One is I've had people refer to me as give me kudos for being disciplined, right? Cause I eat this way. Cause I exercise every day and I'm, you know, I'm fit and whatever. And, and I'll have people say, I wish I was as disciplined as you. And then I look at them and I'll see or find out maybe let's talk about their finances and dude, they're rock stars. They've always taken care of things. They've always managed it well. They've got investment money. They never miss anything. And I'm looking and going, dude, you're just as disciplined. You're just putting it towards something different. So I think one, people discount themselves with where they're disciplined. We tend to put it towards, especially physical aspects and health and wellness and stuff like that, depriving, yeah. depriving ourselves. Uh, that's a good way to say it is not, is, you know, we look at it as well along those ways. But another thing though, that I think bothers me a little bit, or I want to hit on is it sounds self-righteous 
right? Somebody says, I'm super disciplined. It sounds self-righteous. So I'm going to pick on, an, I'm going I'm to pull out names. We have so many contextual names. So Anthony DeMello, who we both dig, not, a, not alive anymore. He's a Jesuit or was a Jesuit priest, psychologist and his book awareness. And he talks about self-interest. And I think on this, he would say, no, no, you know, we're all, there's no thing, there's no such thing as selflessness, the self-interest. And so let's go to David Goggins, one of the Kings of discipline in our culture right now. You know, he's Mr. Discipline. I think, I, I think he's really selfish. He's doing it for his own well-being. Have you seen the whale yet? The new Not movie? Yet, the no, it's on my list, but yes, okay. I, I want to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I watched it a couple of days ago with Brendan Fraser, the whale, yeah. this morbidly obese guy, 600 pounds, whatever like that. And he, he look at that and, and they go, man, he's just feeding his addictions and stuff. And, you know, say, say you want, but I don't think it's selfish. I don't think he's doing out of selfishness. He's out of control or whatever over here on David Goggins side. I'd say, dude, he's super selfish. He, he wants yeah. to perform or whatever. So he is serving himself. And through that, now he might say it enables him to serve other people. You know, and I think you would say that as well. You're well. Dis- w- w- what you're saying though, when you're framing it that way, it's almost as if there's an implication that selfishness is bad, and there is culturally, colloquially, we, we think of it that way. But it's it we when we look at selfishness, and we say, okay, here, let's put that word over here for a second. If I have another discussion about saying self love is important, and you should start yeah. with your own self love, fill your own cup, you know, and 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 serve others out of the overflowing of that cup. That's a, a Jewish uh, philosophy as well. Um, I, I think that we as a society culturally have sort of demonized the idea even of, of, well, first it's easy to demonize the idea of selfishness, but we can kind of maybe subconsciously inadvertently work our way down to the idea that self-love shouldn't get my attention either because it's, it's, it's attached to selfishness. Like all the self stuff, maybe I shouldn't be doing. Um, And then even self-help, it's like, well, you're, you're obviously taking some time out for yourself. Okay. (laughs) But I'm like, but that's how, that's how we create who we are that gives the experience to everyone else around us. It's like how I'm going to show up for others. We talk about this a lot. It's going to be determined by how disciplined I am. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they were hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. Yahoo Finance.com. 
thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are, and in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier, and Air Doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. Okay. Yes. And, and to self-help, I mean, there's a lot of people who take pot shots at self-help and have problems with that. And, and there's, there's some validity in some of yeah. that, but, but I think I, my point here is, is bringing out that, you know, being disciplined uh, is not just some self-righteous altruistic thing that you've evolved over all these people who just, you know, serve themselves and, and whatever. Now I'm serving myself with it. I think, I think Anthony DeMello would say it's an evolved self-interest. Cause he, yeah. you know, he talks about that altruism. He says, man, he, he takes aim at altruism. You know, people think they do stuff selflessly and altruistically. He says, no, you do it for yourself. Whatever you're doing, I don't care if you're feeding, if you're giving money to a homeless guy and nobody sees you, you're getting something out of it. You get something out of it. So this being disciplined, cause I feel like that. I feel like, yes, it allows me to serve my family better and other people because I have the capacity and whatever to, but ultimately I'm doing it because if I don't, I feel like crap about myself. I'm doing it to feed me first now, gratefully, I can then feed others, you know, through that. So I, I, I want to bring that, that, yeah, being disciplined, it's, it's, it's self-serving initially. Yeah. I'm the one that benefits from it first and maybe foremost. And then from that though, hopefully I use it for good to serve others and not just to continually pad myself and only serve myself, uh, which I would get less fulfillment out of. We know that as a humanity. I mean, we want to serve others is where we get, even that. 
you know, my purpose is fulfilled through serving others because it fulfills me. It's still self-interest. There are a lot of layers here. <laughs> I, 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 know, yeah. I know. I'm trying to take it out of that realm of people thinking, oh, I have to evolve to be in kind of like my thing on drive that some people are driven and some people, no, 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 no. You didn't lose the lottery and you're not driven. You may not have found something to motivate you yet because you're not clear on what you want, which is what my book is about. But I, I guess I'm trying to take it, take it there and just hit on discipline before we take that even into focus and kind of level the playing field a little bit that, that it's not just super, it's not well, only monks who, you know, are just, you have to be a monk to be disciplined. Yes. And you I think about very disciplined butthole. Well, I know. And, and the, if you think about the things in life that you often will get a compliment for, like mm -hmm. a, for instance, there's there's different realms. You may get a compliment for your athletic discipline, you know, your athleticism. Um, however, the ones that you're more likely to remember is like, hey, you're a really good dad, you know, or or you're you know you're a really good friend or whatever it is. People think about something like that and they think, man, that's something I really value about Kevin and the experience of Kevin that I have from you know being around him and him being a good friend brings joy and happiness and light you know, into my life. I'm not Kevin. It's, it's, that's affecting me positively. Right. Now I know intellectually, I can track that back to you being disciplined enough to show up that way. Fair. Fair. Uh, maybe that, no, I like how you're saying that to show up because yeah, you know, my family would say, I appreciate daddy's discipline to whatever, and it helps him show up better for us. Now I could go the other way and yeah, daddy's really disciplined and he's off being disciplined and good for him. I wish he'd, you know, show up and be with me some, but good for him. He ran a hundred miles and he ate nothing but carrots for a week. Oh boy. <laughs> but it is how I then show up for others that matters. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, is that if you found, because I know your priorities and it's your family, your kids. Now, if, if, if you found that going out and, and doing that kind of athleticism and eating nothing but carrots, whatever, if that, if that's going to help you show up better for your children, then you may continue to do that. If you find that your children are like, Hey, where have you been? We haven't seen you in three weeks and you're, you know, whatever, then, then you're going to say, okay, well, that's, that's not something that's serving me very well. Mm -hmm. And consequently not serving my children very well or whatever. Uh, and I, and I think that's the thing. I actually just wrote a piece on priorities. I haven't published it yet, but on, on how our, and it's called your priorities are showing <laughs> because I feel like our life is a reflection of what we have prioritized in our life, which again, comes back to discipline and focus and a lot of these other aspects. It sort of comes out into the world as a visible priority. So I can see that you've prioritized your physical health. I can tell that just by looking at you, even on a screen. Um, so there, there's, there's some of those, uh, I, I feel like the, the, our, well, Don Dapani talked about this, about having a goal of your spirituality. Yeah. And, and say like, what's the goal? Like what? And I remember you and I talking years ago, not too many years ago, actually, but about, uh, spirituality and, and religion, which are not the same, but in, in the religion uh, that we were raised in, in Christianity. And, and I remember there was plenty of times when I thought when we were sort of more immersed in that, uh, and, and then in our conversations, what is your faith? Like to me, faith is something that's so important about my spirituality. It's it, faith is sort of the, the core of that. Like I have faith in. I don't, I don't understand spirituality outside of a faith. I, 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 yeah, I'm with you on that. And I remember 
talking, you know, I, I think I asked this of you, but also of myself and of others, like, what is your faith in? Yeah. Like, we talk about having faith all the time, sort of generically. And I'm like, well, what's it in? And then, you know, if, if I have a understanding clarity, which is another thing Dhanapani talks a lot about is clarity, like just getting that clarity really, yeah. which, which takes stillness and contemplation. There's a contemplative path towards gaining clarity, which is something he lays out very well. So I'm such a fan. Uh, but looking at that and, and thinking like, am I clear on what my spiritual path is, is supposed to, to bring into my life? Like, am I clear on the goal of that spiritual path or how I'm going to show up in the world or whatever? And then think, okay, I've got clarity on that. Now I need to and, and I can't get that clarity without the focus. And, and that's an ongoing thing. It's not like you get focused once and figure it out. It's like, it's always going. Right. Um, I need to be focused enough to keep my eye on the ball, you know, that I've said, this is the clear goal of, of my spirituality. And then disciplined enough to show up that way every day to, to get, you know, to hit the mat every morning, you know, the, the yoga mat or the, meditation mat or whatever it is yeah. every morning and, and to start off my, my world like that. And then to move through that in the faith every day that that's working, even when it may seem like it's not for some reason or some terrible thing. I got a flat tire today or had a car wreck or something. It's like, well, you know, if I'm doing everything right, then why that happened? I could do that. But I just believe that everything I'm doing at that point, because I have, I am clear, I am focused, I am disciplined. I'm very aware consequently. And so I feel that every day I have the faith that what I'm doing is aligned with my goal of my spirituality, which is kind of twofold. Our family motto is just be love in every situation. If I'm showing up as love in every situation, I have to imagine all the, all the things I want to come out of it are, are going to come out. Well, of it you, Well, you have faith in that. Go, go ben, again, back to discipline, yeah. the practice of training people or ourselves to obey, to follow rules or a code of behavior. They mean my own rules and call to be. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, which comes, which comes back to you saying goals. So what are your rules and code of behavior? They're this. Why? It's a code. I think the code is a really good way of looking at that. That's okay. kind of a way of being. Yeah. So yeah. Asking the question, why? Why? Because I believe in this. Well, why? Because I have faith in this. So that brings it round circle to that. How can you be disciplined if you don't have a goal? How can you have a goal if you don't have a belief as to what that's going to you know, pan out to? And that belief is not, you can't prove it. It's not black right. and white and it's scientific, absolute. It's a faith. And so that's a, I, I love the topic. We didn't, that's why we do these candid conversations. I didn't have discipline as that and breaking that down. So then it is taking that in Dandapani's realm and saying, now I'm going to do that to my focus because whatever I focus on is what I am investing my energy in. Mm -hmm. And that's what my life manifests to use that word, which I struggle with that word and some of the context that the culture has around that. Yeah. But to that, to say, I'm going, today's going to pan out to what I give focus and energy to. So, and down upon saying you can control that. Part of my discipline was going out and finding resources and, and sort of a guru, if you will, in Dandapani and on focus, because I realized focus is something that I needed more of in my life to help bolster my mission, you know, of my own spirituality, which I, I, I mean, I guess just to put, just to articulate what that is, 
my personal vision for myself, my spirituality, my, my the way I show up in the world, all that. It, and this was borrowed from Marianne Williamson's book, A Return to Love, that I read when I was 17. Um, but she says, uh, or I, I, my, my vision is to, to let my light shine so bright that it liberates the light in others. You know, that's another way I think of just saying, just be love, which is what we say to my kids. And, and that's, that's an easier, maybe understanding of it. But if my goal is to, is for me to shine brightly, you know, every day. And I say that to my kids, shine bright, shine bright, baby. <laughs> um, you know, like that, if that's my goal, that is my goal <laughs> to show up that way every day to do that. I do have to be disciplined enough to, to meditate to do my yoga, to do my workouts, to do all the other things that I do in kind of more in a physical and metaphysical world. And then also to be disciplined enough to not fill my mind with a bunch of stuff that I don't want to impact my world and, and watching a lot of violent stuff or whatever, or, or think other, all these things that come into my world, I get to be disciplined enough in yeah. those spaces to, to be able to, to kind of craft intentionally the way that I show up for myself and for others. Again, I'm just talking about the tagline for this podcast now. Well, <laughs> I, keep, I, I keep coming back to it too. So to further promote my book, because okay, what you, what you got me to thinking of that I didn't, I didn't bring into this. So we, we talk about drive and, um, oh gosh, a, a great example. I actually use this. I, I have the story of, uh, back when we were kids in the Guinness book of world records, I can't remember the guy's name. He was the you know, back then we don't use the word fat now, but that's what they said. Fattest man on, you know, heaviest man on earth. And this dude weighed over a thousand pounds. I remember that when we were kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And I'm saying the dude was driven. He was driven. A a, a meth addict is so driven. They'll kill for a hit. They're driven. We just don't associate drive. We don't give them credit for being driven because it's towards something that we don't give value to. I I like that drive as a, as a, as a source of energy. It's like a conductor it's in there and it's like you can you can turn that any way you want it could be toward getting your nest meth hit or to being the best dad in the world exactly or or, and it can be towards making a billion dollars we would we would say give that person credit for being driven even if they're they're making the billion dollars to buy guns and send them to war and you know or do terrible things with them but we it's interesting how we do that you made me think about that because i'm thinking about it in regards to focus because we're holding up focus don is you know as this good thing well it depends where it is and we talk about kids these days in adhd and they can't focus on everything dude give the kid a device and an instagram feed or whatever they're focused it's there it's kind of like drive we all got it in there just depends on something we find that is well these parents we have to do that we have to we have to be disciplined enough to tune in to how our kids actually show up and how they how they do get focused and whatever, and then say, okay, well, I'm going to, my, you know, I have three kids, you have a hundred and <laughs> we have to look at like, what is it that, that each one of them is going to be sort of driven in a, in a different way. They're mm-hmm. going to have different ways that, that affect them, you know, uh, and, and things that I do for Zion, you know, don't matter at all to Taya. She just, she's not going to register and vice versa. So we, we have to be disciplined enough and, and probably focused enough on our children to say, okay, now this is what serves Sersha best. This is what, you know, Ian best or whoever it is, you know, this is what serves your kid best. Um, and that requires enough focus for me to, to be aware, to be able to be, oh my God, to be present in the moment. 
and the, the gift that we give our children of presence, yes. I cannot get there if I'm not meditating, if I'm not being mindful and about my life and the way that I show up. So, so bring that to training or discipline. It's Either training way. too. I use that term a to lot. Be, to be aware. I almost feel like these days, every show that I have comes back to this. We should change the name to self-awareness or being present. Cause it, it seems like it all, all this stuff is moot. All the stuff that we talk about, we're all going to hear it. It sounds good, maybe inspiring, but it's moot. If we don't practice and become self-aware to stop and be able to implement it. Because I, I think about, you know, focus. So I get billed as being pretty far on the spectrum of ADHD. I think you do too, don't you? Oh, I have the clinical papers that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, and I, and I haven't gone that way, but everybody I threw that stuff out when I was in my yeah. early, early twenties, I think, but yeah. No, but, but that would say, oh, you can't focus on stuff. Dude, I can focus on stuff. But being aware, I'll tell you an interesting place for me is, so I go on a bike ride specifically, even more so than running for some reason, being on the bike on, a, and for me, it's a mountain bike. So I'm on a trail dodging stuff, you know, going along and it helps me focus because it you know, yeah. kind of, I, I've got to just to, just to be there, but I can so easily focus on something negative and it just is, it's like a, it's like a, a, a you know, an album that's skipping. And it's on repeat. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking about this. For, and I can do that the whole time. I, I'm little by little, every day, a little more self-aware and I'll catch myself. But then I have to make the proactive effort to take my focus back to Donipani off it and go. And for me, it's all the, the analogy is always because uh, I'm just looking at the ground before me, which on a mountain bike going fast, you kind of have to do. But I think, dude, lift your head up. Did you see that? What's the, there's an animated movie called, is it called Up? And it's called Look Up. Uh, it's an animated movie, I think. And it's, shoot, I wish I could remember. There the is movie. one called Up, but I don't know if it's that one. It's not, it may not be that one. It's something that has a blue. A blue. Uh, maybe so. Anyways, they, 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 during the, the, the mantra of the thing is look up. Like notice what's around you. Don't just That's look down. I talk to my kids about that all the time. And when, it, when one of the kids is struggling with something, they can't get out of a loop. Yeah. I say go outside and look up. Okay. Thank you. So it's along those lines. So me on the, on the trail, I think about that. Of, I haven't even, all I'm looking at is at the trail in front of me. It, it could, it's so myopic of a view. Look up, there's trees, there's Pike's yeah. Peak. It's freaking beautiful. You know, do that. And now we're back to that awareness. And from that, the discipline based on a goal to put a focus on something productive. And as Don Dapani, what, you, go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking now of like, it was sort of the, the, big takeaway that I had from Don Dapani in the very beginning. <clears throat> he talks about your mind being like a, a, a house. That's exactly mind. where I was going. Yeah. Do okay, it. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, he, he talks about your mind being, you know, like a house and you have different rooms in there and, and one may be joy and anger and frustration and happiness. And you have all these different possibilities of rooms quote unquote, in your, in your, uh, just, just stay right there. But on emotions, you, you just said emotions, different emotions. You do the same thing. And you're thinking about your kids, uh, your money, your work, either, either topic. And to him, he's saying, you know, this is Don Pani's claim. I had, I pulled the claim out. You can only visit one room at a time. I think that we have a hard time believing that. I do too. Especially in the Western world of multi. I don't, I don't consciously tend to believe in that. 
But now as you read his stuff, it makes a good case for it. Look at what happens when we give something our full focus. It's I, wild. I, I struggle in the car with, I want to get focused to that phone. And when I do, all of a sudden I look up and I'm about to run over a mailbox or somebody. I mean, yeah, it's- if you think know, about That's it, a great example. Yeah. Little things like that. Like my kids know it doesn't matter what's happening. I will not touch my phone in the car, period. Because I have a bunch of little lives in the car that yeah. I- couldn't live with myself if something happened. Not to mention the fact that I'm one of all the other people out there with lives in the car and things like that. I don't want to hurt them either. So it's just one little thing. It's like, I can just, let me, I can let me just ask do you, that, the discipline. I want to ask you a question because I know you, you're an auditory guy. Yeah. Right? You're an auditory. So if you're going to, if I'm going to get, cool, yeah. Okay. But, it, but even there, if I'm going to get something through to you or like my book, you don't want my written book. You want the audio, which doesn't yeah, exist. Yeah, then I can then I can program it into my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so would you say that whatever you're listening to generally has your attention? So even though your eyes are out here looking at stuff, that whatever you're listening to generally has your primary just naturally? Is that well, fair? Let, okay. So let's go back to finishing up the the Dondapani analogy because that it points to what you're all right. You're it's part of what you're getting at. Right, there you go. So he talks about, you know, these different rooms. And, and I've, I've talked to my kids so much about this. I'm just like, you're in the room. You, oh, he talks about having like a big beach ball. You got a big beach ball that can float around to each one of those different rooms. It can, and, and, and only it's a beach ball. You can't split it in half. Don Bonnie does? Yeah. That must be his earlier book. This new one, he talks about an orb. It wasn't even in a book. It was in a speech that he gave. Long, oh, long, interesting. Long For some reason in the book, he decided maybe his publishers wanted him to. It's an orb of light that goes around and it only can illuminate one. Just like if you have a flashlight yeah. in a dark room, you go around and if you're shining into the living room, you're not shining it into the kitchen behind you. So he's oh, even better. He's improved it since I got to uh, say, I haven't read his new, the new book yet. Uh, um, I, I'm, I'm actually just getting ready to read it. I just finished Bono's Surrender and it was uh, exquisite. And now I'm going to Donnie. Yeah, get him on uh, the show. By the way. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, so the, the idea is that you can take that orb of light or beach ball or whatever you want and just say it, it's going to be in this room right now. I recognize that it's in frustration. It's in the room of frustration. I'm super frustrated. What if I took it to another room that was kind of on the other side of that? And and one thing I I learned along the way, and I don't know if it was done to done or not, but I remember it was when I was in. Costa Rica and I was speaking at the do lectures, which you and I were recently talking about. I met a bunch of people that may show up on your podcast now that we're at that. I hope same so. lecture. Um, and I remember being terrified, absolutely terrified of what was going on, of me going up to, to speak in front of this group of people. And a lot of them are, you know, heroes of mine and people I really admired. And, and I was newer at the game at the time. And I remember learning that if I put my focus on something that I'm deeply grateful for, and I think the deeply part is important here when you're, when you're scared of something, <laughs> but something that you're deeply grateful for and to put my focus on that, like to take it from the room of frustration or fear in that, in that particular uh, instance to gratitude. So when I'm, when I'm completely focused and in, sort of enraptured in gratitude, it, it, there's no room for fear to come in. I filled the room already. Mm -hmm. So th that room is occupied and I'm just in that space. And so fear isn't knocking, knocking me down anymore and consuming me because I'm focused on in that particular instance. I remember up on stage, all I was thinking about was Sersha, my daughter mm -hmm. at the time I only had one. Um, and 
I, I remember thinking of how grateful I am for her. And all I could do is I, I was smiling as I got on stage instead of trembling. Mm. Um, what I did there was I changed my focus. That was, that was the thing that happened. And I realized the power of that when I got up on stage, like, oh my God, this is what happens when I am able to change my focus, which takes a lot of discipline to be able to do that. Now we're creating a path. <laughs> but I, I remember being so grateful for that analogy from, from Dandapani and I've carried it forward into, you know, all of my life and certainly into my fatherhood as well. And talking to my kids about that and, and recognizing, Hey, you have, you actually do have the power to just move that over here. However, you don't have the power to do that in the moment. If you have not had the discipline to condition yourself for that before you got to the moment. Mm-hmm. So like if I have a kid that's having a, a, a tantrum with a parent or, or whatever, like a friend or whatever, and they're having this, this tantrum and they ask me, Hey, what do I do? Like, I see you with your kids. Like this doesn't happen <laughs> with you all. Like what's going on there? Like, how do I get to that in the moment with the kid? And I say, you don't get there in the moment with the kid. You get there in all of the journey that you're in every day in the focus and the discipline in your life and in your relationship. That's what defines what's going to happen in that moment. You can't just ask that kid to switch on a dime. That's not going to happen. It's a progression. It's a lifestyle. So the, the focus and the discipline and all that that we're talking about is a way of life. It's a way of being uh, for me and, and, and my, my family. And we get to reap the benefits of that. It's such a sweet existence, like sweet discipline, like I talked about before. It's just that richness of life that we get to experience. I get to go out on the trail and with the kids on cliffs and I don't have to worry about some kid to act in a fool and falling off or whatever, because everybody's like straight in line. We're, we're, we're together. We, we move as a unit and, and it's not something where, uh, I remember one of the one most wonderful moments of my life. Um, there was a guy in my sphere <laughs> that that was saying some stuff about discipline in front of my children to me as a father and that I'm too militant or too disciplined and whatever. And Sarah, <laughs> she was eight or nine at the time. And she straight up just walked into that conversation confidently and talked to my friend at the time. And she said, uh, the, the discipline in our life is the thing that makes me feel most free. And I was like, whoa, that came from a nine-year-old. <laughs> I didn't plant that, <laughs> like not that direct statement anyway. She just said that in the moment because she felt it. I thought, wow, that's a powerful testament to what it is that I believe in all of this. Man, it's so interesting, that statement even, right, that free. I, I wasn't thinking about that, but it makes me, because I was sitting here thinking about uh, something you said brought me, again, back to mountain biking. So, you know, I've been on a bike who God knows how many miles and hours through my life as a kid racing BMX and, you know, pro cyclist and now out here in the mountains and stuff. And so often am I in, in the flow, which we've covered that topic in a decent amount, but being in flow and I'm on the bike and I'll go through some gnarly section, some technical section and just whizzing along. And I'll be thinking in my head, dude, I hope this works out. And, and, and so often I'll feel like, Oh, I just lost it. I'm going down. And then a few feet down the, down the path, I'm, I'm good. Like that's amazing. It just amazes me. Kind of like a th- out of body experience. So just my body knows what to do after so, you know, the 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell's type because thing. Of training because of training. So back here to, so come back to focus. I am not that I'm not a ninja with my focus. I'm, I feel like a, I feel like a rookie still. 
of going, gosh, it, being, a, being aware, at least that's the first step. I'm being aware and realizing, oh my gosh, I have my orb of light. And if, if we want to do that, uh, or my beach ball, I have that. And it's just, it's just right here in the room of fear or anger or bitterness. And it's just there. And I think that it's just there because of, well, she did that to me, or he did that, or I got that phone call or the money or the, you know, whatever just happened to me. And so of course it's going to be there. Why? How could it not be there? How could I, this happened? How could I not be angry? How could my orb of light not be in anger? And now to be fair and to be compassionate, I think Don Dapani would say, dude, you're human and your body just naturally boom went there. And I think my therapist would say, and there's a reason for that. Don't discount that. And we'll play with this, Jared, because my therapist would also say, dude, your propensity, Kevin, is to, I don't know what they would say, is just to shut the light off or just to deny it. Be, take a minute and sit there, feel it and, and yeah. try to understand it. I haven't done that well either. Maybe I've just tried to jack it into something else. Real, let's actually, let's stay here for a second, because I think what I probably do is I would tend to go, dude, my orbs in a bad place. Let's just go medicate and go for a ride or, you know, something might, well, not, I should say Maybe somebody. That, but if you say that, I know you're saying that sort of in a negative, let's go medicate or whatever. But if you, what if you changed it a little bit and said, I need some medicine, medicating med medicine and my medicine is being out in nature or being in a whatever it is that gets me to the state of more awareness, of a deeper awareness, or, or, or that clears my mind a bit and lets me get back into, I mean, sometimes I feel like, you know, maybe to extend the analogy a little bit, sometimes there's a hallway between rooms. And I feel like that, that, that I'm, I'm angry over here. I need to go to the hallway of just letting it out and breathing for a moment and being still so that I can get into the room of gratitude or whatever it is. Um, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm down to well, appreciate me adding on to the complex. I, know, I, wish, I wish he was here listening and he could tell us because I, I am questioning, maybe it's just the, well, again, we're back to awareness. So I'm aware that my orb of light, my, my attention, my focus is in anger that before I just go, boom, get that sucker out of there. Kind of that, I've seen that meme. I fell into, I fell into some feelings the other day. I got out of that stuff quick. That's, yeah. that's been my tendency. And I got therapists saying, I know when you, you don't understand yourself or your emotions or why you feel that way, you need to do that. You need to get Brene Brown's book on her, you know, Atlas of the Heart. There's 87 emotions. What are you feeling? What room are you in and why? Gosh, I'm actually, it's not anger. It's actually humiliation. I feel humiliated. Why? That's important. Understand, once you understand that, yeah. Understand now it's not a great place just to sit in for the rest of your life or the rest of the day or whatever. It's not going to serve people well. So now you understand that. Get a little understanding. I'm asking your thoughts on this. Get a, I didn't ask Don Apani this, and it's probably in his book, and I did, I missed it. But understand it. But now you don't want to stay there. If you want to get over here into and show up for people in joy and happiness, let's move the orb over there. But maybe don't just jacket over there real quick without understanding it. Yeah, I have a, I have a thought on that. Um, I'm there, there, <laughs> there is a discussion that I've been having with a, a, one of my closest guy friends, Aaron, uh, for a long time. And it was, it, he and I, it, we're both dads, you know, he has two little boys. I have uh, four, four kiddos, three little ones. Um, the, there's a thing that happens in a, you know, we talk about response versus reaction. Like I, I want to 
I'm very intentional about the idea or the concept of responding intentionally rather than reacting emotionally. So my emotions are important. They're there to, to help guide me, but I don't want to just act out of them all the time. I want, I want to be intentional on that. So the way that I'm able to, I have to say, okay, well, how does that become possible for me to make that shift? For me, it's the discipline of, uh, to be able to create what we now call the pause, Aaron and I, this isn't something uh, I've written about or something, but just like uh, the, the discipline to create the pause. So as a parent, when something comes my way from a kid that's negative in some way or whatever, I have a split second, I mean, milliseconds of, of what, how I respond to that or react to that, or if I'm angry at that, or if I just try to fix it real quick or whatever. I have another choice and this could, you know, it could be, you know, something coming from a spouse or from a friend or whatever that says it, it's this thing that could elicit a negative response very quickly. And, and sometimes we pride ourselves on our quick responses. I used to do that. I'm quick on my toes and witty and study a lot and know words well and things like that. And yeah. then I thought, wow, that's not helping any of my relationships. Actually, it's, it's quite detrimental that that little habit I've got. So I thought, what if I scale that back and create a pause in, instead of a filling the space so quickly with my thoughts? And, and I thought, man, oh man, when I have the discipline to create a pause before I respond or react or whatever, even if it's just two seconds, I have the ability to connect with my highest self, my, my, my better angels or whatever you want to call it. I have the ability to stop for a second, not just react real quickly and, and be able to intentionally connect there, contemplate for even a moment. Is this how I want to respond here? Do I need to respond here? Should I just let this be a moment and, and have a, is a, is a silent moment more effective for this person I'm with or the situation I'm in or whatever than not saying something? It's amazing how much we can contemplate in a couple of seconds. I mean, think about like when you're, kids like falling off of something and you contemplate 85 things in half a second and then catch them. <laughs> you know, it's like, we are capable of that. Hey, and, here, look, look, can I, can I, I, I this yeah. less than 24 hours ago, I had a guy on the show. It'll come out after this Jake Eagle, his books, the power of awe. Right. Yeah. I'm excited about that. One. I, yeah. you will be, you'll love it. It was incredible. Um, 30 years as a therapist and, we touched on this, the pause, literally said that just again, less than oh, 24 wow. hours. Um, and I, what came to mind for me was for those of you who know a stick shift car, a manual car, we don't have that these days, but you're going along in first gear and how often we get, you know, something happens and we're wrapped up and we're redlining and we're right here. And that's just where we stay. The only way to get into second gear is to do what? Let off the gas clutch, put the clutch in. It's a pause. So the cars go, and it's and even if it's, you know, even if it's a half a second pause, it's, it was necessary to get to the next place. Exactly. Like we that. don't <laughs> pause and put the clutch in. I know I, I, it resonated with me as well, but let me ask you though. So you're, let's, let's put ourselves in the normal relational circumstance, right? And something happens and we have a reaction that is not wrong. That's not evil. That's not a sin, whatever we have. We feel angry. We feel bitter. We feel judged. We feel whatever it is. It's a, but right now there's other people around and to serve them well, to, sh as you, to, to the, to the uh, podcast slogan, to show up well for them. Yeah. 
to pause, being present. And as you said, instead of to respond intentionally for ourselves, for other people right then, instead of react emotionally, I think that you do that. I know that I've witnessed you do that. Well, you have trained yourself. Well, I am aware that I do that. Well, I'm not going to, I may, I'm going to have a feeling I'm not going to get so flustered and taken out and I'm going to be there and I'm going to respond well for people. What I don't do, and this is having me look at it a different way. It would be great if it, during that pause, I real quick took out a Sharpie and wrote on a, uh, he said that, and I just about, my skin went through the roof, hackles of my, you know, my hair stood up on end and I broke out in a sweat, but I, you know, we went along, but maybe come back to that dude. And so later in the evening, you know, journaling or how, whatever your gig is to come back and go, what was with that? What was, yeah. what was, what caused that? And to revisit Light. that. So, yeah, yeah. So maybe I take that orb, I have a pause, I move it over into what's going to be beneficial for the situation or, or whatnot. And I come back to it. Now I could also, depending on, let's say it's with you and you say something that just, oh my gosh, pisses me off or saddens me or something like that. And I may have the relationship with you to go pause and go, dude, that makes me feel really bad. Can we, maybe we go there, uh, but then maybe the situation doesn't warrant for that again. And, but to come back either way to, to, to understand it. So if I don't do it in the moment, cause it's best to move that orb somewhere else and put my focus somewhere else for everybody involved. But I, and I think this is what my therapist say, like, Kevin, you need, you need to, you've just spent your life doing that. And you never addressed that 20 for 20 years, that environment statement, whatever has bothered you. And so instead you just kind of created bitterness throughout life because you've never addressed it, dude. So address it. And it doesn't mean you, you get my point. I'm, pl- I, I'm considering, I'm contemplating this. Right. And I think the, you know, the pause is. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot, again, there's a lot of layers here, but for me, the pause has been mainly about, I, I, because I can be so quick with my, and this is specific to me, what I'm talking about. Um, anybody could take a, a you know, a, a pattern from it that might apply to their life. But for me, I I'm quick with my words and, and I, I can wield words well. <laughs> and I, I feel like that is a, you know, that's a skill that I can rely on in some areas. And I'm a strategist, you know, that that's my gig. I've been the strategist for 20 some years. I figure things out that are complex that other people, you know, may not have been able to figure out for whatever reasons. They rely on me for that, to think about all the things, all the moves on the chessboard and things like that. I also found that that doesn't serve my relationships very well at all. Uh, and, 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 and even when it comes to the, the idea of manifesting, if you, if you'll allow, um, getting the, you know, bringing sort of attracting the things to me that I want or whatever, as a strategist, I'm more likely to see all the possible pitfalls. I don't want to constantly think about that. Cause I feel like that just brings more of that into my life. So I, anyway, th- there's, there's times when I've had to step back from that. And here's something to think about the, the power when we feel that we've done something very powerful, important, positively impacting or whatever, there's a feeling that we have that's pretty hard to match that feeling of, wow, I did that. I had that great father moment or I had that great spouse moment or that whatever it is. Um, those moments, ah, man, I, I feel like they, like th- those moments are there because of all the discipline that I had leading up to it. Mm-hmm. I had the discipline to pause in that moment and to see what's most wanted and needed in this moment. That's coming from some group therapy sessions, but what's wanted and needed in this moment. And, and I, 
I have, when I pause, I can, I can tap into that. When I don't pause, I just kind of railroad over what was happening or could have happened. And, and I have become quite cognizant of that. And I've also found that the power that I feel as a human and the satisfaction and the fulfillment that I can feel, feel from being in a moment where I would have ordinarily reacted quickly and concisely, you know, poignantly, maybe all that. And instead I paused for a second and I said nothing. And maybe I just put a hand on a shoulder or something like that. And I thought, oh my God, I feel more powerful having not said a, a word there than I ever would have had I said all the things I thought of saying. And, 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 and even when it comes to like an argument or something like that, I think, oh, I've got, I can, I can come back and say all this stuff or I could be disciplined enough to just say, I, I hear you. I see you in this. I want to think about that. Like that, th those kind of moments that I, I'm able to have with people that, that only comes from a discipline and a contemplation of this and an awareness around it that comes from my focus and all that. Yeah. But Just being aware of enough of, of that people notice it. Because it's not typical when you do that. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, and I don't, I, I'm not, we don't need to go down that path. Because you bring up to me, though, the relationship aspect that you're looking at how do I best connect? We talk about relationships, but you're looking at connection. How do I help someone feel seen and understood? I'm Is always it, thinking about that in a, in a moment when I'm having a conversation. It's like, how do I help them feel that way? Because I have an opportunity to do that. Why wouldn't I? But that is, we're back to, yeah, to, to awareness as always. And then focus. Um, and I do want to, uh, to come back. I mean, we're talking, as you, what you said a little bit ago, that we don't believe inherently that we have control over our focus. I'm still kind of, I'm, I'm a little stuck on, on that. Yeah. It'd be interesting to take, gosh, you, you keep talking about doing a round table with certain people. How great to have Brene Brown and Don Dapani. Cause she's, I know cause she's going to give credit to saying, look, your, your emotions are valid or, or, or they have some validity. I mean, again, X, Y, Z happens. Life happens. You get cut off in traffic. Your spouse says something or, or even the positive emotions, you know, you get a raise and whatever. And those are just your initial responses. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, reactions, your emotional reactions, right? Those in and it's in and of itself are not, are not, you know, bad, uh, they're okay. And we need to understand them. She's trying to help us in her book, Atlas of Heart. to feel it. It's what you do with it. That matters. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's so, so here it is to feel it and to understand it. I have done a very poor job of that in my life. I didn't even have a place for that. I did not have a priority or a value on that. I do right. now. I, I do now after, after those things have built up and manifested in bitterness and burnout and some of those feelings, which is what they do. So I, 
there's validity now, but now on over here, I think Don Dupani, let play with this with me. He would say, yeah, okay, sure. You need to know those emotions, understand them, be aware of them, and then choose back to the goal and the discipline. But where do you want to live? That gives you the space to be able to sort of examine what might be happening in the moment, you know? Like, like I, I'm feeling anger right now. I'm about to respond very angrily. <laughs> yeah. And then having that moment of being like, well, no, that doesn't make much sense. I don't, that's not who I want to be. So I'm going to pause here. Maybe I'll listen a little bit more. Sometimes you listen a little bit longer and you're like, oh, I was jumping the gun there. I wasn't even going to end up being angry at this person if I had just listened to the rest of the story. Oh. So there's things like that, like what, just the pause of, of not even interjecting and just listening to, for them to play through and then go, oh, wow. I'm so glad I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I, I am. It's still, yes, it's still kind of offensive feeling though, to say that happened. It's not an abnormal thought. I mean, if somebody cuts me off in traffic and flips me off to feel angry at that, to feel, you know, unjust it is, and it's even more, let's go further. They actually bashed into my fender and then took off through traffic and I can't follow them and they're gone. I have, and I have a, a wrecked car that, my insurance, their insurance is going to cover because this is bad. This is a thousand dollars. I mean, this is bad. I can be angry right now. And yet then for Don Dupont, go, okay, that makes sense. Now you can choose to stay there or not. What? I'm thinking, screw you. <laughs> this is, you're taking away. I'm angry. I should be able to be here and I'm going to go. I feel you, man. And I, you know me, I've, I've been in anger management classes. <laughs> I, I know. And then, and then we're, and this comes back and it's interesting yesterday, Jake Eagle, uh, uh, with the power of all his book, which will come out soon after this is published. And he's saying that the point is to use that word transcendence, which is a woo woo word to a lot of people. It has been to me, it's a woo word. But then if you look it up, transcend, it just means to move beyond. Yeah, that move happened. From one thing to the next. Yeah. I want to transcend beyond the anger because it's not helping me. I don't enjoy that. I should try to understand it. And it makes sense. They just bashed into me. It's going to cost me money. But as my brother Jared would say, yeah, but it, dude, it just is. It just is. So you can't change it. Man, I feel in the, the road rage thing, that's hard for me too, because as a father, anybody that's acting a fool on the road, the first thing I think of is you're jeopardizing my children and everyone else, you selfish person, you know? Um, and that's, that's, the, that's, that's not the one that you can bash into my fender. I don't really care about that. Just please don't slow me down in the left lane. It's for, it's for the fast people. Please just <laughs> yeah. let the fast people be there. All right. It happened yesterday when we were in the car, you know, as a family and, and somebody cut us off and the first thought was like, oh, you know, you jerk. I'm going to go. I, you this know, is why I had not have a gun because if I did, I'd use it now. <laughs> like I, I had, you know, I don't know, 10 seconds in reality, maybe 10, 15 seconds of that feeling of like rage of like, how dare you cut my mm -hmm. family off like that? And the guy was doing the weave thing, you know, in traffic where it's, you know, lethal. And, yeah. and he, he'll get to where he's going four and a half seconds before I'll get there just right behind I'm not doing anything like that. It's like so asinine, but I had a choice in that moment and I chose it. We were going to a kid's play, you know, for the family and whatever. And, and I was just, and, and anyway, there were, there was uh, some movement in the car to kind of get ticked off about the whole thing. Let's just say. And I was like, Oh, it's just, it, uh, you know, I hope that. And I said something like, I, I hope that guy doesn't, you know, hurt anybody along the way or whatever. So Zion in your play, and I just totally moved on, like moved it out of my life, out of it, 
we didn't have a car wreck. It didn't hit the car. He didn't hit someone in my visibility. And we were on that road for a long time. It appears as though nothing happened. Great. I'm happy for that. And I'm not going to give the time away that I could give to my children on the way to that play to that guy that just passed me randomly. Like I, that's a choice. I had the room of anger or I had the room of gratitude for being in the, in, in the space with my children and honoring the moment with them instead of giving that guy my power. Let's go deeper, Jared. All right. What you just described, I'm going to make this up for a point is 95% of our experiences. Something happened that's really in the grand scheme of things, relatively benign like that. He didn't hit me. It didn't hit. It was just, it was irritating. It was, you know, it wasn't good. And we get ourselves wrapped up. We spend time giving our focus to these negative emotions based on our perception of things. Cause you, the other story is that the guy had a, a wife about to give birth and he was serving his family by doing that. We don't know. We make up stories and we get ourselves wrapped up and we get pissed the rest of the day. That's all we talk about. And we're telling 15 people throughout, they can't believe this dude, what he did or or whatever. And it didn't even happen. That's 95% of it. Now let's go to the far, let's go into the deep water, the the deep end of the pool as Andy Andrews say, and let's say he hit you. Yeah. Let's get ugly. He hit you, you wrecked and a child died. Yeah. And now we go into Don DePonte of going, dude, uh, of Brene Brown. And she would say, my heart breaks for you. You are feeling despair and, and anger and these things. And those are relevant. And yet, and what do we know happens there? Most people are going to end up in depression, addiction, divorce and stuff because of a, the death of a child. I don't, yeah, I don't even like to go there. Yeah. It's hard for me to go there too. I know. Um, I know it is it, it, because, but we're still saying because we know we have these horrific things that have happened, these horrific real traumas, life-threatening and life-ending things that happen to people. And we have some that are able to move on in abundance. They really are. And some that at most, I'd say, I'd say that it wrecks. I don't want to be tested there. I hope that I am training myself today yeah, to be able to withstand it. And to I'll have a scar for life. I may have a handicap from life for that. I would. We would. We would be. We would have wow. a scar. I would be devastated. You'd be yeah. devastated. And, but, and, and but at the same time, I also recognize that, you know, I have other kids. And, you have and, other kids or let's say you don't. There's still other people to serve in the world and, and whatnot. And we're right. training now. I am training now. to. I mean, I've, I do. I've got nine kids. My my chances of seeing a kid taken out is higher. I, I think about that because I feel like it's arrogant not to. I have got to be training myself now to be able to withstand it for the rest of them. I don't want to be tested there, but we're still into the place of, do I have control or not? Or does it have control over me? Is that event that does come to manifestation, which should make, which should make the events that don't like yours yesterday with the guy who cut you off, it should make those even easier to go, holy crap, at least we didn't die. At least it didn't actually happen. I thought of that yesterday is that I was grateful that something didn't happen in that moment. And Focusing on being grateful that something didn't happen versus that guy threatened, you know, my family or whatever. And and I, and again, that back in the day, I, I could have stayed hung up on that for weeks. And, and in no. truth, I'm just playing with it. He may be far less dangerous than the guy next to you who you didn't notice who's on his phone. 
You're probably his right. Because he was so unaware. At least this dude's actually given an effort. He's try, He's driving recklessly, but he's, like he's a present. fairly decent driver, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's probably being, being, being yeah. fairly present. And the guy yeah. next to you who we don't know about, who's been yeah. texting and hasn't looked up for 10 seconds, is actually a greater danger. And that's happening around us all the time. Well, and these and, are things that are just happening on the peripheral that, that, that I, I could then say, okay, well, what's most important is what's happening in my car you know, with my kids and my family and the stories that my kids were telling at the time and, and whatever. And that is a focus. Like you asked earlier about focus too, in, in being able to kind of like shift it. And because of the daily practice and it is practice and, and the, and the, the training, you know, that I'm doing every day and that when someone you know, when there's something going on, like if, if you're talking to me and we're in a crowded a scenario, a restaurant or something, and there's stuff going on and, you know, the waitress drops something or, or, or whatever, and there's things going on or whatever. I notice a lot of times I'm in a conversation and the person I'm talking to is just all over the place. Like they, they're paying attention to pretty much everything but me. And I can be locked in and it is a matter of bombs go off. Like, I'm just there. I'm straight with you. And that's it. You're the only person in the room. I didn't used to be able to do that, but years and years of training on focus and being disciplined with that has given me the ability to give that gift to everyone that I sit with in a conversation. And I have people tell me all the time, man, when you are with me, you are with me. Like there's, it doesn't, it seems like there's no one else on the planet. I really feel that from you. And, and I'm like, thanks, man. I've tried really hard to be that guy. Cause there was a lot of times in my ADHD realm of life, you know, in the early years where, uh, that seemed like much more of a handicap. Yeah. Um, I had a really hard time with that and I felt bad about it. And like the way I felt after a conversation like that, uh, I wanted to feel that the other person was felt and seen and understood and all that. And I feel like that's the greatest gift I could give someone is, is my full presence and awareness, which does bring up to, cause we've primarily been talking about your ability to move your focus, to have control of your focus, no matter what, that's the ultimate desire. Resilience. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of circumstantial things we can try to do like that. I would, cause I was thinking about your, your one way to do that, uh, have your focus is think about just to retain, for me, retain eye contact. Because when I ask you earlier about what, whatever you hear, does that get your attention? For me, it's whatever my eyes, wherever I my eyes break are. my eye contract or eye connection there, even in, in somebody like with something happening, I'll deliberately, I kind of see it with my mind over here. Like that thing just happened, but I'm, I'm not breaking with you, man. I'm in there. What do you got? Just, I'm going to stick with you in this. Well, I would say I have to, because I'm a visual guy. So wherever my eyes are, so if I'm on the phone with you, I'm often pacing around looking at the ground. So nothing gets my attention or I may even have my eyes closed. So, cause I'm trying to be there. That's a circumstantial or a tactile thing that I can do. Just like flipping your phone over or not having it on the table, which uh, I wish. That's another thing I do. It's like, I, I get rid of my phone when I'm in a, when I've, if I'm in a conversation, I'll literally like put it somewhere else. I don't want to see it. I want to have anything to do with it. I don't want an interruption. I'm with you, man. <laughs> I generally do that though. I will say I'm sometimes a guy who goes, man, I'm so sorry, but I actually, uh, you know, my wife's out of town. I got five kids. And so just in case yeah. there's a bunch of hey, if I'm I, waiting on the family thing, then I'll say it. I have my phone yeah. here for this particular reason. I got burned on that one, man. I literally did it one time, went into a meeting. It was like an hour and a half and I'm just going to be that guy. I put my phone away. I'm not paying attention to it. And one of the kids broke an arm 
at school. Oh man. I was, yeah. yeah. So I, I just, anyways, we get the point though. There are some circumstantial things that we can do, especially as we are learning to ultimately be the Don Dapani Jedi, we would assume, who even in the midst of the chaos can have that pause center themselves or whatever you want to call that. And we don't, and we don't, we're not making it a, a hoodoo guru thing. I and mean, this is a discipline, no different than the ability to, for me to keep my bike upright, even when I think I may be going down and I'm don't know how much control I have and my body just knows what to do. We want to get to where my mind muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Muscle memory, which our brain, our mind is a muscle yeah. that we train I'm trained for that pause now in a sticky situation. This thing, the second things start getting intense and my, you know, blood pressure starts rising. It's like it, it triggers something in my body now that says, "Better create that pause, buddy. You're going to get in danger town. <laughs> You're going to the danger zone." <laughs> well, well, let's do that with the again back to the guy that cut you off of saying, "Oh God!" Right in the minute, it made me angry. It kind of endangered my family a little bit. I'm in the angry room. Okay, I don't really want to be there. And you know, maybe the dudes wife is given birth somewhere. I, I don't know. I don't know their justification for that, but let's just, I might as well pretend because I'm going to make up a story. I'm going to make up a story that he's out to kill everybody, or I can make up, I might as well make up another story. I can't do it. He's gone. It just is. Might as well make up a story that, yeah, he's going to save somebody. He's actually on the way to save their life and thank goodness for him. And now I'm in the happy place. Serves everybody better. My, my first sort of journey in that realm was that. I'll create another story. And you know what it was? It was the guys taking his wife to the hospital because she's yeah. pregnant. Because I did that in Costa Rica when I was driving off traffic, like fast and furious style with Ilea in the back of a rental car, no less at the time. Yeah. I've, done <laughs> um, it, I've done it twice. My wife's been in car wrecks, thir- uh, like 15 and 30 miles away. Two times it's happened and she's called me. And like one, she's like out of her mind on the stretcher going, uh, is it yeah. a car wreck? And I'm, I'm, I'm gone, man. I, oh, and I was man. not. Uh, serving everybody else on the road very well. I feel you. So that was the first thing that I had to do that kind of helped with that scenario was to create a different story. I'm a storyteller. That was fairly easy territory. Say, okay, cool. I can do that and create a different story for that guy that cut me off. Now it's more like what happened yesterday where I didn't need that story to get me there. All I needed was just that second for the pause and saying, I'm not taking my focus off of the children that are talking to me in the back of the car about the play we're going to. I'm just going to stay focused on that. This guy doesn't get that uh, power power from that power for me. Yeah. yeah. And there's a thing that we talk about, you know, I talk to my kids a lot about, you know, don't give your power away, baby. Don't give your power away. And I had a, I had a thing that I was, uh, uh, another friend situation and let, and it was negative. And, and I remember Sersha, it was two years ago. And she said, you're always telling us not to give our power away. Why are you giving your power away to that dude every time he walks in the room? And I was like, mm, well, that hurt. <laughs> and you are right. And I cut off that friendship. Um, it, it also in a very peaceful way. I just said, this isn't serving or whatever. I, and, and- I love this, this tactic. This, this kind of comes into uh, Tom Bilyeu, uh, who, who you know as well. And his talk, if you type in Tom Bilyeu, B-I-L-Y-E-U, uh, he's the impact theory guy and, and what huge podcast I've been and, his stuff for 10 years too. Oh yeah. And he has, he has one, uh, a little video clip. And if you type in his name and it's all your fault and he makes this preposterous story of, he just acts like in the world, everything is his fault and his responsibility. He's not going to give his power away. Uh, and in that, 
yeah, again, let's go to a, let's go to a real life scenario. I love how you put it. I'm, I'm going to give my power away and take it, take it away from my family that, you know, back when COVID hit, I lost about half of my advertising, about half my income at the time because people pulled out everybody with non-essential items pulled yeah. out of advertising. Uh, so it's a relevant reason for me to be worried, anxious, angry, you know, whatever. And that would be relevant then for me for God knows days, weeks, months, a year to be, yeah, daddy's just depressed. That Everybody would say that that's okay. He lost, lost man, I do. I lost all my income yeah. or even further. My business went bankrupt. It didn't, but you know, business went bankrupt and, and yada, yada. Either way, uh, is it, it is it, do I give my power to it and take it away from my family for that? Which dude, you and I, to credit our parents, we saw, I would have been a, I would have been a high, I would have been in high school. I would have been close to a junior, senior. So I would have been 17, 18, which means you and I was like nine 10. or 10. Yeah. Yeah. Nine or 10. Yeah. When dad lost everything, he, he basically I went bankrupt. It, yeah. Yeah, he didn't file bankruptcy, but he basically did. And it wasn't the first time. I and mean, we had, you know, he a took lot the of high years. road and spent the rest of our lives paying people off instead of filing bankruptcy. That's what he that did. Means. He did. Yeah. We saw What's, that and that, that made an impact on my life. To that, see that did, but even the day to day, do you have a memory? My memory now is that no matter what, whether we were driving a Cadillac that year or some embarrassing jalopy that year or whether we had, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, whatever happened that at the end of the day, mom and dad sat down at the dinner table, we had dinner, some casserole that mom made. And then we yeah. watched, watch, we watched Dukes of Hazard afterwards. You know, I mean, yeah. it didn't really matter. And, I appreciate that. That yeah. was a, that was, that, that, that was a teaching to me then of no matter what happens, it does not have to ruin my day. And to this yep. vernacular reason, it does not have to take my power. I'm not going to give it away and take it yeah. away from those sitting in front of me, which again is, we're saying that I want to say it with compassion and gravity because there are some bad things today that are going to happen to people where they are fired and they do not know what they're going to do for their income and don't know how they're going to pay their mortgage. That is devastating. I get it. I've been there. You have too. Um, it's real. And yet to come to that, am, am I going to let it take my power away? That's, that's big medicine. Yeah. I, I, I had stuff happen uh, a year or so ago where in a weird change of events, I applied for a couple of big positions that I was really interested in for organizations that I really believed in and found out I was kind of eligible or whatever. Anyway, I went through, and one of them, I went through eight interviews. It's a big gig, you know, and it's big money. It's a big position, a lot of responsibility. You know, they're hiring for three to five year, you know, position at, at a minimum. Um, I had eight interviews and all that. Got to the end of that. It was 200 some people interviewed and I, it was down to two. And I was the one that was the runner up. I didn't make it. The other guy got it. And I had a moment of being like, oh my God, I've put so much into the eight interviews. That's like, you know, it ended up being like 10 or 11 hours worth of stuff, not to mention all the research and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, I can be really upset about that. Or I can recognize that I was just the one guy down just for whatever reason. It could have been We're any number two. We're <laughs> number two. Right. Yeah. It could have been any number of random things that made that person get the job, even the location of where they might have been or whatever at the time. Um but I chose instead of realizing, you know, being upset that I didn't get that thing, I chose in that moment to be grateful for, for just the realization that like, I'm worth that. I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. 
And man, that, that what that has done for my career path since not getting that job, because I chose to say, what if I stayed as excited as I was coming up to getting the job? If I just stayed that excited and, and faithful, um, even though I didn't get it, like what happens if I can do that? And I, I really played with that a lot. I thought about that a lot and thought, what happens if I don't get off this horse, <laughs> even though the thing just came that could have, you know, knocked me off? What happens if I stay on? And I, I can say that lots of wonderful, miraculous things happen. I made space for miracles in that decision because I, I just decided I, not to come down from that high horse. I was going to say, I feel like you just came round circle to, to where we started off this show an hour and 20 minutes ago to faith. You're choosing to have a faith. And that's probably, a, I mean, it, it's interesting. That then it makes sense that Don Dupani, the monk for 10 years and Hindu priest and man of, of faith, which was the focus of his second show that we don't have time to get into now. I don't know what we're going to do. I might need to do a part five that we don't that a man of faith is the guy that's talking about. I didn't put those together that that's the guy that's talking about focus. That'd be another question. Can you have this type of power of focus? without faith and can you honor your faith without this type of focus oh all right and that's how that's what got me there <laughs> deep thoughts by jack handy I, yeah. that's big that's i don't even know i'm a, so there we're gonna leave that to ponder because i'm gonna have to ponder that i don't have a comeback on that one I, that's interesting that's interesting. Gosh, I, I, I we my faith is important thought. enough to me to figure out how to focus better. That's kind of where I ended up, and that's how mm -hmm. I ended up with Don Deponis. No, I'm interested. I'd be interesting to hear. I, I actually, I want to ask him the question. If we don't have him back on the show for it. I'll email it to him. And say, dude, so can you have this? Say it again. Can you have this kind of focus without faith? And you turn it around. Can, can you? Can I honor my faith without this kind of focus? I don't, I don't think so. I, we don't have to answer I, that. I didn't we, either. I mean, that's what I came to. That's why I started following Donna Pony. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but that's, oh my gosh, that, that would, that's a direct uh, opening to go into spiritual, but we're due we're in an hour, 20 minutes. This I know, I know. So uh, <laughs> we'll have to figure out what to do with that folks. Uh, Cause I want to talk about that as well. Uh, hey, let's, let's end there, man. That's, it's yeah. power. You've given me that I've sitting here taking notes, but that one right there. Um, I don't know. We may need to do another show on that. I'm uh, hey, brother. Thanks, man. It's so great to Thank resonate you. with you on this. Thank you for the man of faith and focus that you are. I'm grateful. Thank you, brother. And you as well. All right, friends, that is part three of this four part series on focus uh, with our expert Don Dapani. Coming up next is my wrap up and I've titled it. I really boiled down to what really struck me uh, as six lessons on focus from a former monk and current master. Friends, thank you for tuning into Self Helpful, where I curate the sea of new personal development materials and help you integrate wisdom into your life because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. 